You know, I'm so encouraged by all the testimonies this morning about healing. Because I believe God is wanting to restore something to us. He's recovering something. Because we, we began some years ago to go after being a house of healing. And I believe God wants to restore that. You see, we are in a period of rebuilding, restoring. We're particularly re-establishing foundations. One of the most well-known stories in the Bible about building foundations is, of course, the parable that Jesus tells about the foolish builder who built on sand and the wise builder who built on rock. And in, when he was speaking New Living Translation, Jesus said this. He said, well, I'm hoping it's going to appear, so I'll be able to tell you what he said. There he goes. He said, the wise man is like a person building a house who digs deep. Everybody say, digs deep. He digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. So when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it was well built. Because he dug deep. Everybody say, dug deep. Okay, so we've got to dig deep. Uh, all right, not again. That was, that, that, was, that, was, that was me just saying it then. All right, we've got to dig deep. And uh, I was encouraging us a couple of weeks, well, a few weeks ago, when I was preaching last about the importance of digging deep into the Word of God. And I, I quoted the famous commentator, Matthew Henry, who said a lot of people just stay on the surface of the Bible, picking up little flowers here and there. But we've got to dig deep. If the Bible is going to shape our lives, we've got to dig deep into it. And I think it was Matthew Henry, or it might have been Charles Spurgeon, who pointed out about that famous verse when Paul says to the Corinthians, the only foundation you can build is Jesus Christ, but you must be careful on how you build on it. So you can either build with wood, hay, and stubble, or you can build with gold and silver and precious stone. And again, Matthew Henry or Charles Spurgeon pointed out that wood, hay, and stubble is stuff you can just pick up from the ground. You can pick it up from the surface. Whereas gold and silver and precious stone, you have to dig into the ground. You have to dig deep in order to extract it. And so if we're going to build with silver and gold and precious stone, we need to dig deep. Everybody say dig deep. <laughs> dig deep into the Word of God. And let the word of God dig deep into our hearts and souls. Therefore, I want us to look this morning, I want us to dig deep into Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah, which is of course um, about that period of restoration and rebuilding. We've been looking at from time to time, Ezra, Zerubbabel, and then Ezra rebuilding the temple, restoring the people of God. And Nehemiah rebuilding the city walls. And... Uh, <clears throat> The thing is, if you want to build something, certainly if you want to build a church, but if you want to build anything of value, it will be opposed. You will face opposition. Certainly Jesus said of the church, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, as soon as you start building church, you're in, you've got a battle on your hands. And certainly it was true for those building the temple and building the walls. They had a battle on their hands. Building and battling went together and anything you're building and this can by the way it's about our journey as a church community but where even if you're a visitor here or or for all of us whatever you're trying to build building your own character and life building your home building your factory your workplace your business your school your hospital whatever these things these principles can help you so we're going to read about some of the opposition that uh, nehemiah <coughs> excuse me nehemiah faced Nehemiah, did I say what chapter? Chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. 
And it says this, um, I think I just about see it. When word came to Sambalat, to Tobiah, uh, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates yet. Notice, it's when they're making good progress that they come under opposition. Well, they come under opposition throughout, but particularly when they're making good progress. Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Is it Ono? But given that this is the place that they want to get him onto so that they can harm him and damage him in some way, I think it should probably be pronounced Ono. <laughs> oh, no. So that's, that, that's what we'll do. So on the plain of Ono, okay, um, but they were scheming to harm him, harm me, says Nehemiah. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sambalat sent his aide to me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations. Now, first of all, they tried distraction, get him onto their ground. Now the trying accusation. It's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become the king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to me. We'll get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. Good for Nehemiah. You know, there are times, I spoke last time, there are times when it's good to be able to receive criticism even from your enemies. Remember I said when playing rugby, catch the ball and none of the mud will stick. That's what God spoke to me. But there are other times when you've just got to confront the enemy and say, what you're saying is not true. It says, what you're saying is not true. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking the hands will get too weak for the work. And it will not be completed. That's what they want. They want to stop the building. Their hands will get too weak. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Now strengthen my hands. And as I read this scripture earlier this week, those words jumped out of the page to me. Now strengthen my hands. I received them for myself, but I want to pass them on to you this morning and to encourage you. Strengthen, God, our hands. You see, when you're building anything, when you're accomplishing anything, when you, you come under opposition, there are times when you have to learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You remember the, the, you may, some of you may remember the story of King David, and David's got really going through it all. He's, he's been anointed as king, but the present king then, Saul, had rejected him. The people of Israel had rejected him. Even the Philistines, right, who the enemy... Even they said, we don't want you to fight with us in case you turn on us. So even the enemy had rejected him. As Bill Johnson, you said, you know you're having a bad day when even the devil rejects you. <laughs> it said, even the enemy rejected him. And then the people he'd been training for war and for battle, they rejected him because what happened was at a place called Ziglag, all of their wives and their children and their possessions were uh, taken by the Philistines. And of course, in their grief, the men... Turned on David. I wanted to have a go at David. It says this in 1 um, 
Samuel 30, verse 6, it says he was greatly grieved. He was in great distress because the men were talking of stoning him. Well, you would be, wouldn't you? You'd be in great distress if they're talking of stoning you. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. It was because they were hurting that they were taking it out on David. But David, it says, found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in his God. In another version, it says, um, David strengthened himself in the Lord. I want to recommend a book to you. It's one, I think, of one of Bill Johnson's best. It's just called that, Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. And he gives some great advice on how you can do about it. I recommend it to you. Excellent book, Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. And I remember many, many years ago, when I was going through some really tough stuff, Alison as well, we were living in Lancaster in those days. I'm not going to go into the details, but I do well remember some of you, this name will be familiar to some of you, a guy called Graham Deacon came and encouraged us. And he's prophesied to me, he said, he said, um, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And the word has come to us today. Thank you for that, Maxine. We think we, we can do it on our own, but we can't. But God can. His strength comes from him. It's, it's strengthening yourself in the Lord. I mean, you know, it's not just about trying to kind of push your way through. It's not about the strength of your personality. It's not about the strength of your argument. It's not about being, you know, macho. It's about strength in the Lord. And one thing that means is that that, that kind of strength you can combine with gentleness and kindness and mercy and grace. And it's about keeping your connection with him. There was a, a missionary in the old sense of that word. We learned on Wednesday, those of us were here that we're all missionaries, aren't we? We're all on a mission field. Wherever God has sent us, we're all missionaries. But in the old style sense of the word missionary, somebody in a foreign land, a missionary was um, going around different things in a, in a place, I don't know, with clinics and schools and Bible schools and so on. And the missionary society of that time had got them this old car that he was to use, but it, it wouldn't start very well. And he was always having trouble starting it. And so he thought, you know what we do? So when he went to the school, he got the kids out to try and push the car, to push start it. Or, or he would park it on a hill so that he could, you know, just roll down the hill and start it that way. And this went on for a couple of years. And he just got used to doing it. Well, I can find a way of managing. And the time came that he handed over to somebody else who'd come onto the mission field. And he, said, and he just warned about the car. And he was quite proud of his little strategies that he'd developed to keep the car, get, get the car started. He said... So this is what I do, you know, just park in a car and you get the kids out and they'll push it for you. And the guy says, well, let me just have a look under the bonnet. So he opens the bonnet and looks at the bonnet and says, I think it's just a loose connection. And he connects it, puts the bonnet down, gets in the car, starts off straight away. But he'd gotten used to the idea of pushing and pulling and parking on a hill. He just needed to get the right connection. And we just need to get the right connection with God. The power is already within us. We just need to pursue the connection with God. It strengthened ourselves in the Lord. Sometimes that strengthening is a strengthening of heart and of spirit, deep within our spirits. We strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We find strength in the Lord. But in this particular passage, what struck me, what really struck me, was that it was it strengthened. He said to God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. You see, there's something about hands. I like hands. Feet, hmm. I'm not really, I'm not really into feet. I mean, apparently, I mean, we shouldn't really talk about this kind of stuff in church, should we? But there are apparently some people who are into feet. <clears throat> I don't get it. I know the Bible says how beautiful on the mountains are the feet 
of those who bring Jesus. I just hope they keep them covered up. That's all. I just, you see, but hands I like. Not in that kind of way. You know, I just like, I like hands. Some of you are going to worry. You're going to be afterwards when I'm talking to you, you're going to be hands behind your back like this. No, I, I just, there's something about hands that I like. No, you see, nobody's got ugly hands. Just look at your hands. Hands. Nobody's got ugly hands. Hands are beautiful. Feet, not so much. You've, some of you probably got ugly feet, but I'm, I'm not going to say who, but uh, I have no idea. I don't want to see him. But uh, your hands are lovely. With your hands, with your hands, you, you hold children. With your hands, you, you paint pictures. Or you write books which can change a world. You can, with your hands, you can conduct an orchestra. You can build a wall. You can model a pot. With your hands, the hands speak of potential and creativity. I just love hands. You need hands to hold someone you care for. Those of you who are old enough, you need hands. You're thinking of Max Bygraves now. Others, you're thinking... Who on earth is he talking about? doesn't matter. But you need hands to hold the person you care for. It's a song from a long time ago. Anyway, I like hands. But the Bible likes hands as well. Do you know the work, the heavens and the skies are the work of his hands. And we too are his handiwork. When the Bible talks about the power or the anointing of God resting on a person, it says the hand of the Lord is upon them. He trains our hands for war, to do battle. And in the New Testament, we find the way he imparts healing. So we've heard about this morning, and an anointing and gift is through the laying on of hands. And Jesus is dying on the cross. He says to his Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. The Bible also loves hands. And so therefore, I think there's something significant about strengthen our hands, Lord. Many of you know the story of Job. Of course, when it all, he suffers, he suffers a great test. He loses everything. It all goes, well, belly up for him. And that's an understatement. It all goes wrong. But right at the beginning, when some of his friends come along to try and comfort him, one of them says this. You can find it in Job chapter 4, verses 3 to 4. He says this to, to to Job, think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. So through the teaching of God's word and God's ways, the people's hands and knees were strengthened. And then there's a very well-known verse in Isaiah chapter 35, when the prophet is speaking about the time to come when God comes and he says strengthen the feeble hands steady the knees that give way say to those with fearful hearts be strong do not fear your God will come he strengthened the feeble hands and the weak knees so whether it's through the teaching of the word of God or the prophetic word coming it brings strength to the hands and to the knees and by the way I want to call out right now in the name of Jesus 
and in the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to call out a release of the prophetic word of God that strengthens us. We're strong in the teaching, but we need a new, fresh release of the prophetic word. And I'm calling it out. I'm calling out prophetic word that strengthens and builds up and establishes God's people. There's some of you who've let that gift uh, hang, hang low in your hands. It's time to strengthen your hands and start using that gift again. And it's a word that strengthens. It's not a word that points out the problems. Oh, look, he hasn't put the doors on yet. No, no, it's not. It strengthens and says, look, you're doing a great work. Be encouraged. God is with you. You're doing well. I'm calling out that prophetic word. For some of you, you need to start prophesying again. You prophesied before. Now you need to start prophesying again. God's strengthening your hands to do that. For some of you don't know you've got the gift, but I'm calling it out in the name of Jesus. A release of the prophetic gift. You see, the hands speak two things for me. Well, two things he's put on my heart. First of all, there is the work of our hands. As I said earlier, we are the work of his hands. There's a beautiful psalm, the psalm of Moses in Psalm 19. It says this, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. That what we're seeking to build, God... Would you establish it? Would you strengthen it? Would you make it strong? As I was praying over this, listen, Sarah, I felt this word was specifically for you. May God establish the work of your hands. I'm thinking of what you're doing right now in the workplace. May God strengthen and establish the work of your hands. Establish it, Lord. Make it strong. Make it steady. Make it grow and prosper. But it's for others as well. May God establish the work of your hands. I love that psalm. You see, our hands reveal our work. Our hands reveal the work that we do. Look at your hands again. See, if you came and looked at my hands, you'd think, he hasn't done a day's work in his life. Because most of my work would be typing or writing or holding a book. Some of those books can be heavy, you know. It's manual labor. But for others, if I I looked at Barry's hands, they're a a real man's hands. Those are workers' hands, you know. Or James, James Archer. Where's James? Is he around? James, James. Now, James, his hands build walls, you know, stone, you know. So he's got like real man's hands, you know. But your hands reveal something about your work. I was talking to Brendan last week, just outside in the, in the car park. And um, you see, the, the thing we do with our hands is we talk with our hands, don't we? We express ourselves with our hands. I do it all the time. And Brendan was talking with his hand, well, as well as talking with his mouth, he was talking with his hands. And it was like this. And, and I noticed there was like a, a red dot in the, in the center of his hands. I thought, Brendan, it's stigmata. It's, it's a miracle. He said, no, no, no. I was just using a screwdriver yesterday. And uh, he's just got a little blister, I think. Which it, I, th- I know. I know. Yeah, that's what I... I, I didn't think that. I thought, I thought to myself, I've not heard of electric screwdrivers. <laughs> but, uh, but there was a mark on his hand which showed the work that he'd been doing. And our hands show something about the work that we do. Jesus' hands bear a mark of the work that he's doing. Even now in heaven, his hands bear the mark of the great work that he did on the cross in dying for our salvation. His hands bear the mark of his work. And so the hands speak of our work. In Deuteronomy, it often says, God bless you in the work of your hands. So whatever work God has called you to do, whatever task he's given you to do, 
in the church, out in the world, whether it's the church gathered, the church scattered, and let it be both. I'm saying, God, strengthen their hands. Strengthen our hands in whatever God has called us to do, whatever work, great work. And please understand what might seem meaningless to somebody else. If, it's in, if God has given it you to do, it's a great work. And don't be distracted by the enemy. May God strengthen your hands in whatever he has called you to do. So it speaks of the work of our hands, but it also speaks of something else. It speaks of what we're able to take hold of and to lay hold of. So again and again in, in the books around the time of the Exodus and in Joshua when they went in to possess the land and in Judges when they kept on losing it and then possessing it again, you'd often find it said this, God is giving this land into your hands. And God has promised some of us, well, all of us really, in different ways, he's promised you a school or a classroom or a hospital or an office or a workplace or a home or a street or a factory or a business or a, a, an area of the creative arts, whatever it might be. God has promised you this land. It's something he's given you to take in the kingdom culture into that land and see transformation. He's giving it into your hands. And I'm praying, God, strengthen their hands to possess that street, that neighborhood, that office, that factory, that school. Strengthen their hands. Don't, don't give up on it. Don't forget the promises of God. I know it gets hard sometimes. You get opposition sometimes. But God is strengthening your hands as a grace and a presence here this morning for strength for his people. And in building this community, God, strengthen our hands. As well as take the, the land he's given into our hands, when Moses is first called for the leading the Exodus, what does God say to him? Anybody remember? Well, I was only saying that because I could drink the water, so... That was your thinking time. He said a number of things, but one thing he said to him, he says, what is that? Well done, Jessica, you knew. What is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? And he had a staff in his hand. He said, I'm going to use that. That which you thought was a weak and insignificant thing just for a shepherd. I'm going to use that to do a mighty work, a great work. What's in your hand? And whatever gift... God has put in your hand. Again, I, I want to encourage those of you who have moved in the prophetic gift. It's time to strengthen that again. It might be for caring and counseling. It might be for, it might be for creating wealth for God's kingdom. It might be for showing hospitality. Whatever gift he's put in your hand. There's a lot of people here gifted in hospitality. Uh, God's strengthening their hands. I would say on this, at this point, it's important to know with gifts that God's given us. It's important to know when to let it go. In fact, a few months ago, I was speaking about that. Just Moses, Moses, in fact, actually had to, had to drop the staff first. He had to let it go first. And it turned into a snake. And interesting, I think, for that, for some of our gifts, there's dark sides to them. We have strengths, but there's a flip side weakness. You know, so you have to be aware of that. But that's another sermon. But that, anyway, you need to know when... To let go of the gift. It's not yours to possess in that sense. You also need to know when to pick it up again. 
you need to know when to hold something lightly. We say that about leadership. Then hold it lightly. Don't try to hold on to it. Hold it lightly. But there are times when you need to know, I've got to take a firm grip of what God's put in my hand. Again, for those of us who've let our hands kind of fall down limp, as it were, it's time to take a firm grip of the things that God has given us, our gifts, the promises he's given us, or the work of our hands. It's time to take a firm grip. Ezra had something in his hand. You can read in Ezra chapter 7, verse 14, the king of Persia himself, King Artaxerxes, I think, He says, you're sent by the king and his seven advisors to inquire about Judah and Jerusalem with regard to the Lord of your God, which is in your hand. So the thing that Ezra was to bring to the rebuilding of God's people was the law. He was a a student, he was a scholar and a teacher of the law. Just by the way, it is okay, therefore, to have hands which just write and type and read. That's okay, because Ezra did, all right? So that's what he had in his hands, the law, and that's what he used. And later on, somebody says to Ezra, he says this, and now actually... I won't go too much into it because I think they made a mistake here. They decided to send away their foreign wives and their children. and They were seeking to be faithful to the law as they understood it then. I don't think it was the right thing to do, but they were seeking to be faithful. So just ignore that context for the moment if you could. <laughs> that was, that's, that's not good. But the words that were spoken to Ezra when he was trying to be faithful to God's word was something like, Rise up, stand up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. This matter is in your hands. Now, when we read in the NIV from Nehemiah 6, it says, Nehemiah prayed, strengthen my hands. But if you read it in the voice version, it says this, I rededicated myself to the work and strengthened my hands. So in other words, in according to the voice, Nehemiah did the strengthening of his own hands. And yet, in NIV, it says, God strengthened my hands. Well, which one is it? Does God do it? Or do we do it? Yes. It's not either or, it's both and. It's be strong, be strong, but in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Don't push the car, but connect it rightly. Okay, pursue connection. So it is in the Lord, but we have a responsibility. The matter is in our hands. And as I was thinking about that, it reminded me of a scripture I read many years ago when the New Living Translation came out. And this, this got me to be a fan of the New Living Translation. And it's um, in Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm, I'm just going to kind of finish on this because I want us to have time to pray and do a few other things and worship again. But I just would explain the context. It's important to know from Hebrews chapter 12. The writer here is saying, you know what? You're going through a lot of stuff. And it's tough. And he talks about a father disciplines the sons he loves. And he talks about three things. He talks about the opposition from sinful men. So sometimes, like like Nehemiah is experiencing, sometimes it's opposition from other people. Always remember, of course, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Don't be against the people. It's the enemy using people. But sometimes opposition can come through other people. But then he also, secondly, he talks about your struggle against sin. So there's his own stuff, his own sin, his own mess, his own fault and failure that he's struggling with as well. 
And then he says, endure hardship. And so all these three things, opposition from other people, our own faults and failures, and the general hardship of life can be tough. But the writer here is saying, but listen, see all of these things as in your father's hands. Your father loves you. And he's disciplining. That doesn't mean, by the way, every time something's gone wrong in your life, it's because you've been bad. And he's disciplining you in that sense. It means whatever happens in life, opposition, failure, hardship, he uses those things to form us and shape us. We are the work of his hands. And another promise that God gave to me many, many years ago. From Psalm 138. I didn't write this one down, Paul. It doesn't matter. It was this. God will accomplish his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. You will accomplish your purpose for me. And every one of us can claim that. You will accomplish your work for us. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. And that appeal, that prayer becomes a promise. He will not abandon the work of his hands. Because God always finishes the work he starts. And so there's this great promise. As if we can receive what's going on in our lives as the work of his hands. It gives us the strength to do this. This is the verse. Do you know what? There's not only are there different translations, there's different versions of each translation. So I think mine is going to be different from what appears on the board, but we'll see. We'll see. Hebrews 12, verse 12. So take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you, though they are weak and lame, will not stumble and fall, but will become strong. A mind slightly different from what appeared there, but I like that. It's time to take a firm grip with tired hands and to stand up on your weak knees. I want to encourage, I believe the grace of God is here this morning to encourage us and to help us to take a firm grip with our hands for the work that he's called us to do, to the gifts that he's laid in our hands and for the promises he's set before us. Let's take, my friends, a firm grip of these. Let's stand up on our feet Let's strengthen those shaky legs, those weak knees, and be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Let's stop pushing the car. Let's stay connected to the power. And we say with the psalmist, Lord, our life is in your hands. I want to do two things this morning now to really press this in. I believe this is not just a preach The Holy Spirit is here to strengthen people's hands this morning. I'm going to ask in a moment, I'm going to ask the oversight team, or those who are here, to come and they're going to have the bread and wine ready for you. Because you see, it was interesting with the disciples on the Emmaus Road in Luke 24, when Jesus has come back from the dead and he's walked with them. And they didn't recognize him. It says, when he came to take the bread, to give thanks, and when he broke it and handed it to them, that they recognized him. When he broke the bread and he gave it to he didn't do that with his feet, he did it with his hands. Okay, it's when they saw his hands holding the bread and bearing the scars, they recognized him. And I believe that as we take, as we receive the bread and the wine this morning, God is going to strengthen your hands. And I want us to do it slightly differently. I want you to receive it. 
this time. Just, just, I'm not saying we'll do it like this every time, but this I want you to receive it into your hands. Let somebody put it in your hands. And as the bread comes into your hands, and as you receive the cup in your hands, say, Lord, strengthen my hands. I know normally we come to the table and we take it. It's actually going to be placed in your hands by some members of the oversight team or maybe some others. I don't know if we need more. It's, just, it's only so we've got the numbers that I decided I'm going to have asked them to do that. And we're going to do it a row at a time. In a minute, in a minute the worship team are going to come back. We're going to do it a row at a time. And then if, if you just receive that, then go back to your seat and continue to worship the Lord. But if you require prayer, I'm going to be in this corner over here. I'm sorry, we're going to have to move some of the seats. I do apologize. We're, don't do it yet, though. We're okay. We are going to, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask some of the people. In fact, is Sarah around? Is she? Oh, Brendan and Sarah, would you join me, please? And we're going to pray over there for God to strengthen people's hands. Okay? So, worship team, could I ask you to come back? Please, and if the stewards would just get the bread and the wine ready for, we'll shift this, get the bread and the wine ready here. Oversight team, if you would come forward, please, ready to place the bread and place the wine into the hand, well, the cup, not for the wine, but the cup into their hands as we worship. That would be fantastic. And those who require prayer, and please understand this, don't think to yourself, it's only the need you go for prayer. We all have needs at times, all of us. And if you feel, I really need strength for the work of my hands this morning, come forward. We'll pray with you. Some of you will anoint with oil. Some we won't, just as the Holy Spirit leads. But I want to pray that God will strengthen your hands. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for that you are the strength. You are our strength. This morning, right now, come. Just start to worship, guys. Just come by your spirit. Use your word. Use your servants. But Lord, by your spirit, would you strengthen everybody here? I know you're going to strengthen our hearts. You're going to strengthen every part of us. But particularly this morning, I pray you would strengthen our hands.